And welcome back to the Fantasy Front Office Podcast for the week of April 9th, and this is episode 36. This week we are sitting in Akuna Week, and we're pretty much in Otani's world. Uh, the injury list keeps growing, and hopefully you've got some waiver claims. And now, entering your ears, your fantasy front office and in the front office this week with me are phil keith and todd welcome guys this week is the big super two cutoff friday the 13th the supposed cutoff date when acuna and all these hot prospects can be brought up to the big leagues and the clubs retain an additional year of control so what's the outlook are we expecting acuna up this week this should be a resounding yes i mean what's stupid is is that it's gonna be yes and then the problem is is that how do you look the player in the face as a front office afterwards it's like why tommy fam is so pissed off I just, it makes me angry that they play these little games, but it makes me angry that they're even in the system to begin with. So it's just kind of weird. But yeah, I do believe he's going to be up and I believe he's going to dominate right from day one. Yeah, I think we're all super excited to see him come up and finally play at the major level. But um, just the rule itself, it's silly, the two-week deal that they have to wait. And you hope, hopefully the next CBA is the deal that this is finally done with, but it is what it is. It's a business and Unfortunately, we had to wait two weeks to see Akuna play. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm definitely excited. I mean, we've been kind of waiting on this for, it seems like, months now. Um, the kid's uber talented, he, and he knows it. Um, he's got that swagger every time he's at the plate, and I think you're going to see him kind of come into his own in the major leagues pretty quickly. We've been hesitant about prospects. You know, last year, I think, you know, as a podcast, we were probably a little bit down on Moncada as, as far as his bat not being ready yet, but... Ronald Acuna is gonna gonna come up and probably crush right out of the gate. So um, we're we're an Otani mania right now, but I think Acuna is gonna take some of that spotlight pretty soon. All right, and speaking of call ups, this one may be happening a little sooner than we anticipated because Eugenio Suarez took a fastball to the hand, broke his right thumb, and he's gonna be out a little while. So can we be seeing Nick Senzel this week? I think we definitely can. Um, I think the team wants to get him in the lineup. I think, you know, the Reds are probably underperforming, to say the least, right now. And a little shot in the arm that he could provide, I think, would go a long way. Yeah, I don't see any reason that they would have to hold him down past that point anyways. Because, like you said, they, it's the same thing with Acuna. You gain another year of control. And he's shown that he can hit in the high minors. He's the best prospect that they've had in quite some time. Uh, there's no reason to hold him back any further. Uh, he's already kind of hit the ground running this year. Um, Akuna was over, I think, like eight or something like that to start the year, but Senzel's done pretty well so far. Um, no homers, but he does have a stolen base already, which kind of leads back to my Goldie comp a little bit. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and third base is his natural position, so it's going to be nice for him to be able to play that at the major league level. And yeah, he should be up Friday. Yeah, he uh, they they were working him out at second and short, trying to find a way to get him in there. Signed Suarez to a six seven year deal, so now he he should be able to settle down, sitting in his native position at third, like Todd was saying, and hopefully that bat kind of comes comes alive. I don't think he's kind of a risky like some of these guys that come up from the minors are kind of a risky hitters where you could see a path of them going you know hitting two hundred for the first month or month and a half and then being sent back down. I think Senzel's bat's actually pretty safe. You know, I don't think he's going to go off and hit, you know, 40 home runs like some guys do coming up from the minors. But I think he should hit for a decent average. I, I can't imagine him hitting for less than 250, you know, so like a 260, 270 batting average, you know, decent pop. And maybe he'll steal you a few bases. But I think he's a lot safer than than some of the prospects that come up. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he was the best college bat uh, in the draft when they got drafted him a couple of years back. So 100 percent agree. He's. His floor is really high, but his ceiling is is pretty decent also. So I'm actually trying to pull a comp here because of what you were saying there. His floor as a prospect this first year is essentially what Zach Cozart was for them for years, average-wise, with average pop, but he has the upside of stolen bases. 
and a slick glove. I think he's like Kyle Seeger with upside. Like where I see Kyle Seeger doesn't have Valid upside. point. I think he's Kyle Seeger. It's kind of like your floor essentially. Like, or that's at least what you expect. And there's a possibility. We've seen a lot of guys come up in the minor leagues. Bellinger, I think the, the ball is probably a little bit different. They're, um, they're facing a lot more velocity. They're getting a lot more hitting instruction at the major league level than they did. They're eating better. They're, they're better regimented. So I think you've seen, you've seen a lot more better. strikes. Exactly. Yeah. You've seen more strikes. The production's been a lot better for some minor league hitters. So if he gets an increase in home run power, his potential is much better than what you see from Seager. But I think the day that he gets brought up, he's a top 15 third baseman. And I think he has like a top, top nine potential. I don't expect that from him, but because I mean, that position is stacked as it is. But I think he's a startable third baseman in most leagues. He's getting regular bats this season. Well, agreed, and and not to keep hammering him home, but I mean his slugging percentage for his career is five twelve in the minors. I know he's only had one hundred ninety games, but at the same time, I mean he's a young guy. Give him time to grow. Give him time to understand that that exit velocity and the the fly ball revolution type thing that we always talk about. Um, if he gets to the major league level and they teach him something along those lines. Not that he's not been taught that, but I mean, it could click for him in a different way. Like Keith was saying, you get better instruction up there, man, it it could unlock something. And and like I said, the stolen bases are just all gravy because he's going to hit for, for me, honestly, probably higher average than even what Keith said. I think probably closer to 280. Um, I think that would be more realistic to me, but you know, probably four, 470 uh, slugging percentage. He's going to be a really, really good hitter this year. And then, of course, playing 81 games a year in that ballpark, um, great home field to hit in. Yeah, 15 home runs isn't uh, out of the question, at least for him. Uh, on to our next subject here. If you play it on ESPN, you may have noticed there are some uh, updates or some changes to specific players. Looking at my team in a league that we all play in, I have two guys whose names have changed since yesterday that I noticed. Uh, I know, Todd, you've got one, but yours is way more major than mine because both of mine are just added middle names. Todd, who had a name change? So Felipe Rivero is now Felipe Vasquez, and uh, he took his mom's maiden name, and they said it could be on his jersey as soon as Tuesday. But uh, that's just something to look out for. If you randomly have a closer in your team named Felipe Vasquez, it's Felipe Rivero still. (laughs) And Phil, what were you saying might be a possibility? You might be able to send a trade offer out to somebody who just is like, who the hell is this guy and why is he on my team now? Um, You know, (laughs) in, in one of your home leagues where the people are not necessarily the smartest. And in that point, you know, you might be able to get an elite closer for super cheap just saying throwing the idea out there seeing if anybody catches anything you know it never hurts to throw a trade out and coming up after the break we are going to head into the injured reserve and waiver wire pickups hey everybody it's me joe pizapia baseball is back and so is the fantasy baseball black book 2018 edition this year i've got paul spore doing the starting pitching chapter i've got jake seeley doing outfield profiles i got sammy reed doing dfs we got championships waiting for you go get it right now the fantasy baseball black book 2018 available on amazon and paperback and for kindle and on itunes because once you go black book well you know the rest Oh boy, the injured list keeps growing by the day, and shoot, we've had a few today as well. Starting off, we're going to head to Anthony Rizzo has been placed on the disabled list, I believe for his back. Yep, I am going to talk a little bit about Anthony Rizzo because I don't think that he's going to be out very long. I think that it's supposed to be one of the minimum uh, disabled list stents, 10 days. And I think he's already been out like three or four days. Um, Plus today was an off day because of the snow. So he should be back probably sometime by either the end of this week or the beginning of next week. So if you do pick somebody up, don't drop anybody too important. If you're looking at available first baseman in like less than 50% of leagues, your options are pretty slim. 
I honestly, I mean, maybe you take a flyer on Colin Moran. Um, that's the one that maybe appeals to me a little bit. But the rest of the guys are just really kind of terrible. Um, Yuli Gurriel coming off the disabled list, I, I think probably in the next few weeks. Um, Chris Davis has been absolutely atrocious. That was a great call by me. Um, Yonder Alonso, if he's available in your league, is probably worth an add. Um, but he's only available in about 60% of leagues. Um, Eric Thames has been playing pretty well recently. I own him in a few leagues, um, but he's only available in about 15 to 20% of leagues. Yeah, I mean, probably in deep leagues, your best bet is Colin Moran. He's first base eligible for some reason, even though he's played every game at third base so far. Uh, hit 345 so far this year, did hit a grand slam. So he is an intriguing option, but he does hit seventh or eighth in the Pirates lineup. So maybe he'll move up in a little bit, but that's probably your best deep league option, I believe. I mean, is... Daniel Vogelbach an option? Matt Adams? Vogelbach could. Lucas Duda? Because the thing of Vogelbach, Healy just got hurt. So oh, if yeah. Matt Adams was getting regular bats, I would I'd be oh, interested yeah. in Matt Adams, but he's he's not. So Adams is off the table. But if at some point this year he does get regular bats, I'm probably gonna be adding him in, in several leagues. I mean, if you got a pretty deep league, Joe Maurer's out there. He doesn't have much power, but he's batting 364 this year. Looks like he's back to the old Joe Maurer. Which kind of confuses me, to be honest. Joe, we say Joe Maurer doesn't have power, and I know that is reflective in his production. But in, in actually, it's like exit velocity and everything. He does have power. He just is another one of those guys that just is line drive first or, or ground, you know, hits the ball into the ground. So, you know, I, I was kind of surprised in looking at his profile earlier in the year. He, he does have a good amount of exit velocity. He just doesn't really capitalize on it. I think it's more of an old school mindset because whenever I was coming up as a kid, I mean, I was taught to hit a line drive right back at the pitcher every time. And that's the the most square you can be. So if it's something where you're making an adjustment, the bat will do the work basically if you do what you're supposed to do and then it'll go to the field it's supposed to go to. But if you're, you know, trying to pull the ball and you do things, then I mean, the worst case scenarios can happen. So I think it just goes back to the fact that he's kind of just an old school player. Um, I think he has just that line drive mentality, and that's what he wants to do. Agreed. All right, on to the next guy. We've got Xander Bogarts. He was off to a hot start this year and turned his ankle, I believe. It looks like they were saying it's a non-displaced fracture in his left ankle. He's been placed on the 10-day DL, and uh, yeah, he may be out a while, and this may actually put a damper on any speed for the injury. So shortstop-wise, it's not very deep. In under 50% owned, there's some interesting options. Are any of you guys interested in Dansby Swanson? Dansby Swanson? No, but uh, Franklin Barreto. I'll raise you a Franklin Barreto, sir. Okay, uh, I, I, agree, I agree with you. I'm not interested in Swanson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just curious because he is off to a relatively hot start. Got a home run and a steal already, hitting like 365. He's going to be a staple in that lineup every day. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not really on the Swanson bandwagon, but off to a good start. A guy who I probably am more interested in. This is really ugly for the beginning of the season. (laughs) I guess Chris Owings for the Diamondbacks is going to get regular bats with all the injuries they faced. Shortstop eligible, but he's not going to be getting starts at shortstop necessarily. He's shown flashes of, you know, both power and speed. He's going to give you a decent batting average, not a high one, but... He'd be somebody who I'd be looking to add in the short term. I'm a little intrigued by Yangervis Solarte of the Toronto Blue Jays. Plays second, third, and short. Won't steal you any bases, but he's hitting 308 right now. He's historically been kind of a streaky guy. Uh, has two homers. He's hitting fifth in that lineup right now. So Solarte, uh, he's probably my top shortstop one. He, right now he is... Well, he's 52% known, so he's kind of in the middle. But uh, Yeah, as I was saying, Franklin Barreto's a guy that I uh, I really like. Uh, Ledmus Diaz is another guy that I think has uh, you know a decent upside, especially in that Toronto lineup and ballpark. Um, Franklin Barreto, but uh, to circle back to him, he's a guy that everyone loved last year, and he failed in the major leagues once, and that's what most prospects do. So he went back to the minor leagues, and he tore it up. And he's back up in the major leagues, and he's going to get some outfield eligibility too, which, uh, as you know, Keith was talking about, Chris Owings, that's it's kind of important to have a couple extra eligibilities out there, um, especially for a shortstop. That way you know that they're going to get some at-bats somewhere. Um, he's got the power and speed combo. 
really think he's going to be uh, a guy that's going to stick this time around. All right. On to those that will be needing outfield help. A couple outfielders went down this week. Christian Yelich and Will Myers. So guys needing outfield help, where should they start looking? Uh, we covered a lot of this last week with uh, Gerard Dyson and a couple other guys. So where should people look? I still want to invest in Bradley Zimmer. I know he's not off to a good start this season. Hit a home run um, tonight. He's gotten a, st- a steal or two already on the season. He's somebody who, if I can get away with rostering and taking kind of a flyer on him, I, I want to own Bradley Zimmer. I'm going to try really hard to skip over the fact that Michael Brantley is still available in leagues. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Zimmer is the one who I think I might want to take a flyer on. Carlos Gonzalez to me is a guy that's right about 50% owned that, um, I mean, Keith talked about him a little bit in the past uh, this year, but he's got the massive upside and he was clearly injured at the beginning of last year. He finished the year strong, um, kind of started off the year a little strong so far, had another home run tonight. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, as long as he's in quarters, I think that the bat's going to play. So definitely pick him up if you have the spot available, 55% owned right now. And for me, a deep league outfield guy that I do like is Matt Joyce. He's batting first um, in the A's lineup right now. Eight hits, but has eight walks. So he's definitely better in on-base percentage leagues, and he does have two homers so far. So Matt Joyce at 4% owned. He's a guy who I, I do like in deep leagues. And I definitely agree with that one for Todd. I, he, Joyce is somebody who, you know, when I'm kind of going in and doing, uh, you know, deep dives on players, he's somebody who I've seen. And I kind of did a double take on some of his peripherals because his his numbers are actually pretty strong. So, um, yes, yeah, somebody who I think can sustain that type of success. I was going to pick Joyce also, to be honest with you, but I didn't want to pick all guys that were in like single digit owned. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now on to the closer market. We uh, we saw some crazy numbers flash around in a few of our big auction type waiver leagues. Uh, but that's pretty much save for blood type scenarios. So with Kniebel going down, who should people be looking at for saves in that Milwaukee bullpen? For me, I'm oh. still sticking with Jacob Barnes. I think he's the best arm in the bullpen. If I had to choose one to speculate, he would be the one that I would speculate on right now. I just don't believe in the other guys very much. I'm not actually shy away from the bullpen. Sorry, Todd. I'm not actually shy away from the bullpen in, in general and uh, go with Keanu Kella. He's he's only 50% owned in leagues right now. He's clearly got the job in Texas. Not to kind of pivot whenever you ask a direct question, but I don't want any of those guys. Um, and, and I don't think Knievel's going to be out for that long. Uh, you're going to get a handful of saves and a lot of headaches. Um, I think I would rather go for a guy that I know is going to get you with saves for most of the season and is the best pitcher in the bullpen. Um, that's Keanu McKellar. Yeah, and I would definitely go Kella over any of the Brewers options. Jeffress and Albert has just been down. Obviously, Albert's blue save tonight. Jacob Barnes should take the job. He definitely is the best arm, has the best strikeout potential, but it, it's going to be a messy situation, at least the time being. Yeah, anybody trying to speculate with Hader as being the closer, don't. They're going to keep him in that Andrew Miller, Archie Bradley type role because he's young, he's got an electric arm, and he's nigh unhittable almost uh, coming from the left-hand side. And yeah, Barnes is the guy that would take that role and run with it if they give him the option. All right, and to the third base market, Jake Lamb. He's going to be out a little while with that AC joint in his non-throwing arm. That's kind of the the plus side um but also brandon drury for the yankees is having some odd odd situation going on um and he's gonna be out for a while but it looks like andahar has been called up and will get most of those at bats but as for guys that are under 50 percent owned in the third base range what are people looking at i just scanned the list of uh the most added players in the last uh, week, I think it is, for ESPN. And Mikhail Franco is the number nine third baseman that's been added. Uh, he's only four, 4.9% up. That number needs to be higher. Uh, he's 33% owned currently. He's a guy that's been a darling the past couple of years and, and kind of flamed out. But what if this is the year that, that someone picks him up off the waivers for free instead of drafts him, you know, 100 overall, and then they get the production that you've been, you know, wanting the whole time. So... Don't be stubborn and let him sit there. Take a chance on him. He's already batting 300 this year with a couple of home runs and a massive grand slam the other day. 
Uh, for me, it's and, it's Senzel is the easy choice just because he's third base, base eligible and yeah. and potentially could be you know called up within the the next you know few days. I'm curious to see what do you guys think of uh, Yomer Sanchez from the White Sox. I threw a bid in for him uh, in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. To be honest with you, it was a decent sized bid too. I think I bid like eighty bucks or something like that on him. Because currently he's 11% owned and he plays second and third. He's off to a pretty good start, uh, hitting around 300. Did hit a homer, seven RBIs. So that's a guy to keep your eye on. He's got a stolen base too, which is one of the reasons yeah. why I, uh, I went ahead and threw the bucks at him. I also put in a bid for him and won him for like so. He's somebody to keep on the radar, can play both middle and corner infield definitely somebody to keep on the radar um another hot ad is brian anderson owned in just shy of 30 percent of leagues gained 26 percent ownage this week uh but he is hitting in that miami lineup what are you guys thoughts on him i don't know much about anderson but it looks like he should be playing tennis instead of baseball um i can tell you the one thing i do know about him is that he has more walks and strikeouts this year and 43 plate appearances um seven walks and six strikeouts so he's got a 419 on base percentage and if you play an on base percentage league uh looks like he's trying to steal some bases he's got to call it stealing i I didn't know much about him coming into the year i'm just kind of looking at the numbers um looking at him raw but at the same time He's got a home run, caught stealing, um, and like I said, one thing that really stands out is the more walks and than strikeouts for a young guy. That's really rare. Definitely is. He, he, compare that to Ian Happ, who uh, I think he has like 17 strikeouts in his last, <laughs> you know, 29 at bats or something like that. So, um, yeah, definitely a good sign. Um, I just I don't know much about Brian Anderson, so it's hard for me to kind of speculate before I get a, a decent, you know, 50 at bat sample size to be able to dig in and see if he's you know, kind of true or, or, or faking it so far. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say with him, he has done most of his damage against left-handers, um, lefty starters. He's got a 643 slugging against them. Wow. Um, but against right-handers, it's only 278. So if you're facing a string of left-handed pitchers coming up, in a series against the Dodgers, he may be a streaming third base option for you. Or a good DFS play against Lefty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 100%. All right. Well, we'll head into the break. And when we get back, we are going to talk about some of these hot starts and Oh, Oh, Tani. On the show, Hey Train. Has your fantasy baseball team ever caught the injury bug and it cost you your shot at winning your league's prizes? If so, look no further than Rotoshurance, the leader in fantasy sports insurance. Their insurance coverage can save you your league's investments with policies as low as $1.50 a season. Be sure to use the promo code FFO in all caps throughout the season to show your support for the show. Just visit rotoshurance.com. That's R-O-T-O-S-U-R-A-N-C-E.com. Simply select your sport, your league's entry fees, and choose the players you want to insure. Don't lose your money this season due to unforeseen injury and protect your team at rotoshurance.com. Coming back, we are talking hot starts for pitchers. This first one, we got to talk about both sides because in his first 10 games, he was uh, surprisingly dominant, could we say? There were a lot of hot takes over all of spring, some saying his bat wouldn't play at the major league level, some even saying of a high school bat. Through his first 10 games, he had two wins and three home runs to his credit. Shohei Otani and took a perfect game, what, through six? Correct. Wow. What is there to say about Otani other than just wow? Yeah, there's not a whole lot more he can do in his first 10 games that he hasn't done already. I mean, as far as the strikeout leaderboard, he's, you know, probably third or fourth as far as strikeouts. He's at the top or really close to the top of the home run leaderboard. Um, he's taking walks. His strikeouts have been you know, limited. On both sides, he's been pretty much dominant and as advertised. Yeah, what's crazy is I saw a stat that uh, he had one of the highest 
fastball uh, average velocities and one of the highest exit velocities at the same time. Um, that's just nuts. I think he was second behind Snow in exit velocity and like he was first or second in uh, average fastballs minimum. I think it was like 50 fastballs or something like that. Yeah, Brooks baseball has him at 98 miles an hour for an average four seam, which is to have an average of 98 miles an hour is it's nuts. Is, it's yeah. nuts. Wow. Because yep. when you watch him pitch, it's consistently 98, 99. I know I said that plenty of times in the past that I'm cool with being the guy that doesn't have the shiny toy. I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be sending some offers out for the new shiny toy um, in a few leagues because. I'm interested in his bat, and I'm interested in his arm as well, because that arm plays, and the bat is just gravy. Think, think about this though. Like, how pissed off are you if you're playing in the Yahoo League right now? I know. Where you drafted Otani, you took the, you know, the risk on him, and now you only ended up with the pitching side, and somebody else picked up the hitter off waivers because for free. For free. Like, how pissed off are you playing in a Yahoo League? I mean, how pissed off at yourself should you be for still playing in a Yahoo league? Because I swear on everything. <laughs> Listen to this. No joke. I had a Yahoo league that I ran. It's I'm the commissioner of it. And I ran it for like 10 years It's a dynasty league. I got so pissed off because they don't care. They made it. The app is terrible. Not to get on like some sort of random rant, but it's going. It, you know, the train's already started, so we're going to keep the steam going. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Fantrax. I was just about to go there. A hundred percent it is. But honestly, I brought the ESPN. No joke. Sorry. Shouldn't have said that part. But truth comes from me. Anyways, so the reason I had to bring them over is because that is the exact reason. If you're in a dynasty league, and then they change it mid, like they, let's say they change it next year. Where they're like, oh yeah, we did, you know, we realized we messed up. We needed to have only one player. What if two different people own Shohei Otani? Right. Who oh, gets who gets him? There's so there's no correcting that almost. E- exactly, and that's not something. That's not a situation that I was willing to go down, and I'm I wasn't going to take somebody from another team. Um, just to be a dictator at that point. So I thought the fairest thing to do would be to switch platforms, and I moved it over to ESPN, even though it takes forever to import uh, players. So that's my uh, I hate Yahoo leagues now. That rant is not sponsored by Yahoo. (laughs) (laughs) Or Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew Ice. Oh, but this podcast is definitely powered by it after my road trip. (laughs) (laughs) All right, on to our next interesting pitching hot start is Jamison Tyon. Todd, let her rip. The amazing thing about Tyon is that his fastball control is insane for a guy who's 24, 25 years old. He truly is a two-pitch guy, fastball, curveball, but he can put both pitches anywhere he wants. And the complete game on Sunday against the Reds, I was able to watch the whole thing, and it was just, he was painting the entire game and. He's going to be a guy who's filling in the opening day ace, started a role in the Pirates perfectly with the loss of Cole. Anybody else have some words on Tyon? Um, fa- fastball usage seemed like it was up a little bit um, in yeah. in his first two starts. So he seems to be maybe relying a little bit more on his fastball. Velocity seems consistent. Um, but I'm mostly here for the feel-good story, man. Like This is a guy who you know struggled with his health last year. I, I don't know what exactly it was, what cancer it was, but... I mean, he was out of baseball for a short period, I think just as early as last season. So to see him come back and really produce at the major league level like he has in the first week is just, it's incredible, man. I'm, I'm here for that. That's 100% what I was going to mention, too. I, I didn't, I don't care anything about the baseball side of things. I just care that, you know, I think it was testicular cancer. I, I just care that, you know, he's back on the field in general. And, and on top of that, like I said, he's just dominating um, is just a really awesome story. For sure. Uh, his pitch usage was 39% four-seam fastball, 33% sinker, uh, 21% curve, and 7% change in his complete game. So the, the, the fastball is pretty pretty accurate with what it's, it's been. Um, I think in his first start, he threw a little bit more, more of the fastball, which is contributing to his, his month average of like 43%. So um, like, like, or like Todd was saying, he's kind of a, a two-pitch pitcher, but when the fastball is being able to be located like it has been, I mean, he's able to be really effective. All right, the other two hot start pitchers here, we've got... Uh, one shouldn't be surprised here. Corey Kluber, 15 innings pitched. He's surprisingly given up four earned runs. 
sitting with a .80 whip. He's good. He's good. Pretty much. Yeah, he, had a, he had a pretty good game today, too. What was it, 13 strikeouts and uh, eight innings? No runs? Yeah, let's look at that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much there. Yeah. Uh, that'll be dropping all those statistics there. Uh, one of his earned runs was against Otani when Otani took him deep. <laughs> uh, next up, Patrick Corbin. If you're not following uh, myself or Keith or Todd or Phil or the podcast on Twitter, we're putting out some interesting statistics via graphics. And Patrick Corbin has been lights out so far this year. He's got a 138 ERA, a .77 whip, and 20 strikeouts. And, and coming into baseball today, this is a stat that I like to look at uh, quite a bit. It's the, the strikeout percentage minus walk percentage, um, not counting today's games, but Patrick Corbin at 37.5% leads all of baseball. The you know strikeout minus walk percentage. Um, other pitchers on that list... Garrett Cole, Syndergaard, Shohei Otani, Tanaka, Grinky, Sale, McCullers, Scherzer, Tyone, Fultonevich, and Nick Pavetta. I mean, that's a pretty impressive group, and he's leading that through a few starts so far. And speaking of Garrett Cole, uh, he's had, what, back-to-back 11 strikeout games? That increase in curveball usage is really helping him out, much like... Corbin increased his slider usage uh, around the All-Star break last year, and it bounced him back to form. Uh, what are we seeing from Garrett Cole since the move? Doesn't this seem like a typical Houston Astros-type analytics thing where you know Verlander makes the move over there, um, his efficiency becomes better, and he starts kind of tweaking with his repertoire? Doesn't this seem like a, a typical Astros thing where Cole moves over? And not that the the Pirates are a, a bad you know staff as far as pitching wise, but just kind of tweaking little mechanical things and seeing the best out of their pitchers. I hate it that we think so alike because literally while he was about the asking the question, that's the first thing that popped into my head is that it's so the Astros to turn a guy that had a four and a half ERA last year into a guy that strikes eleven guys out and has the most whiffs. Um, in his career in a single start, and then he tied his single highest uh, before the year uh, with his second game. So he's clearly doing something right. They picked up on something, whatever it was. Um, I guess it's the more curveballs. Actually, actually it isn't. Uh, Looking into it, they actually increased his slider usage, which is what Verlander did as well. Just to give give the horizontal axis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense because remember watching him on the Pirates, he didn't use the slider a ton. He was pretty heavy fastball curveball, like Talion. That's kind of a philosophy, and uh, he the slider was really underutilized. So that that makes a lot of sense. All right, well let's dig into the mailbag here. See what we got. Um, digging through. Ah, this one from Kenny Cashman. What's your rest of season outlook on Kyle Farmer? Ooh. Uh, apparently Kenny lost out on his bid for Alex Blandino and was able to snag him. Unfortunately, this is a serious question. Uh, (laughs) anybody have any input on Kyle Farmer? This has got to be deep, deep league or a three catcher league even. Oh man. Um, yeah. Shout out to Kenny. What he's the, uh, he's the main guy over at RotoWare. I think you guys have probably heard us talk about, uh, Rotoware on the podcast. Um, I'm wearing one of their shirts right now. Gave away a shirt on Saturday. So um, Kenny's awesome. Give him a follow. Uh, but as far as Farmer goes, um, I, I don't have any like firsthand experience on Farmer. Um, but what I can see in the statistics are you might be better not even starting him if you have a two-catcher <laughs> league. You might actually be better like sitting him and just leaving an open slot just leaving an open slot i think oh, you get to that boy. point pretty quickly so um yeah that not really going to give you whole, a whole lot as far as steals not going to give you anything with power um counting stats are not going to be great uh batting average not going to be great um he's a typical you know uh second or third uh, wave catcher yeah he's not even the backup catcher that's the thing is like he's the th- third string catcher 
in a major league lineup. Think about how little he's going to play. I just feel bad for for Kenny because he's in like a you know two catcher league that's like got to be 15, 15 teams deep, man. Because if if this is the the waiver wire ad, and I know Kenny knows what he's doing, so you know he's he's really really reaching for some sort of anything as far as catcher goes. I would venture to say it has to be at least twenty because fifteen means you're at least getting a starter. Yeah, that I mean I yeah wow. Um, ESPN has Farmer listed as a third baseman. Huh. Uh, yeah, but he, he has 11 that's... at bats this year. Um, none of them are good. No, they're none not. Of, none of the 11 <laughs> at bats are good. <laughs> um, Blandino, the one he missed out on, is probably the guy in the short term that's filling in at third base, um, until Senzel is able to come up without any loss of ownage there for the reds uh on to our next question at graham underscore stl is aaron nola going to enter into that next tier of pitchers i'm assuming he means like the second tier was he the right starter to rely on when he was taken 36th overall in a 22 man league so 22 team leagues starters typically in my experience go a lot quicker than in other leagues because you run out of rotation guys pretty quickly so the elite level arms that may sound a little bit weird but um in that kind of format you're reaching for arms almost like you are in a points league because it gets ugly really fast um although i don't have any aaron nola shares because his range of outcomes for me this year was pretty wide um and there was other guys who i liked more than him i just didn't end up with very much nola so for me, I, I don't know, man. I was taking a kind of a wait-and-see approach, and I'm going to need to see a little bit more from him before I kind of give any kind of definitive, but not somebody who I was heavily invested in. For me, and, and I don't play in that many leagues that are too much deeper than 15 teams, but at the same time, I don't think that I'm drafting him at 36 overall. Um, I'm looking at Fantasy Pros right now, the ADP data for basically all the websites, it looks like, um, or all the major ones. Uh, he's going... What was it? 62 overall as high at some sites as 74 overall and as low at some sites as 55 overall. So while he might not get back to you and and your next pick, you can certainly find another pitcher in that zone. I mean, Garrett Cole was going 74 overall, Um, you know, Masahiro Tanaka, 83. So there's 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 other guys around him that I just wasn't. I mean, Shohei Otani, for instance, went 91, um, which is crazy now that you look back. But right. at the same, you, you know what I mean. But like, I just wouldn't target him in that spot because I wouldn't leap forward to grab a guy like that. I would be happy to grab the last person uh, in the tier with my next pick. And in a dynasty, which this could have been a dynasty if he was taken That's that true. early. In a dynasty, I'm just not reaching for upside arms. I'm probably reaching for upside bats and then taking the Jeff Samarja, Rich Hill types where they're established, older. You know, when I'm ready to win in a dynasty, that's where I'm looking for, you know, arms. I'm I'm looking for guys, you know, who are going to give me, you know, 170 innings and high strikeouts. I'm not I'm not reaching for arms in that scenario. So it doesn't sound like, you know, we're necessarily on the NOLA bandwagon that early. No, Nolan's been a guy that's got some control issues and he's walking as many guys as he's striking out almost so that's that's my main deterrent unless he can figure out how to keep things consistent yeah and also one thing with the phillies is that gabe kapler so far isn't letting his starting pitchers go too deep in the games uh, <laughs> you could talk all day about gabe kapler and his weird strategies so far his uh bold strategies i would say but yeah I believe because I believe Nola's first start, he was cruising along at sixty pitches, and they pulled him after five. It was, it was like around 60, sixty pitches. Yeah, sixty-two or sixty-eight, something like yeah. that. It was really early. Yeah, and his last spring training start, he was stretched out at ninety. So really weird um, situation there. So that's something to keep an eye on with the question. Thirty-six, a little too early for me for Nola. Um, high upside guy, but he still has a lot of room to grow. All right, on to the final question we got here. From at banter for all in a dynasty, keep all. What is Marte's value in a trade? Starling Marte? That's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah, it would have to be. He had an offer of Lamette, Anderson, 
Sanchez felt it was a little light. Pitcher hungry and have an insane farm of outfielders, Robles or Robert, Eloy, Trammell, Soto. He's got quite a bit in the outfield. So what's his value in a trade? I definitely would reject that trade, especially because of Lamette's uh, Tommy John surgery pending. Um, right. I don't think that that's I don't think that's something I want to get involved in, even though it's a pretty high success rate at this point. Um, I think Marte's trade value is actually really high. Um, I mean, what he's a top forty, top fifty player overall as far as a redraft, and he's still pretty young. Um, got some spry legs to him. I think probably ranks around that point in a dynasty league. So I think that the the trade offer you received was probably extremely low, to be honest with you. Yeah, so low that I'm almost thinking maybe it's Cattell Marte. Because um, <laughs> if it's Cattell Marte, I'm I'm you know I'm probably taking that deal just for the upside that Lamette comes back um, here shortly. Um, I maybe not taking it if it's Cattell Marte, but I mean like if it's not Cattell Marte. Yeah, I would. You're definitely getting undersold, you know, by two guys in the top 100 with upside. So, um, yeah, Starlin Marte actually have been on this year quite a bit. I think in his per game production, he's a lot better than what we've seen. You know, the suspension and some other things have kind of held him back. Um, but I think he's, you know, right for for a good season there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, because he's in his eight to 29 season right now, and he's hitting in the middle of the lineup. He's around four or five, so they have they moved him off the leadoff spot, and he's in right in the center uh, behind Josh Bell pretty much. And, you know, he's a guy who steals a ton of bases, and if the RBIs increase, that's kind of always been um, a weak spot for him. There is some value this year for him. So I would hold on to Marte. That's, that's not enough for him. All right, that'll wrap up the mailbag, and after the break, we're going to hit the hot starting hitters. Rotoware.com. Rotoware. Big shout out to the Rotoware uh, company. It's so goddamn comfortable. Can't recommend them enough, man. Yeah. High quality t shirts. Shout out to Rotoware.com. You see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that. Where'd you get that? Rotoware. That is courtesy of Rotoware. It's just it's just the highest quality of shirts. Yeah, I really like the baseball designs you got here. The shirt is beautiful. Everybody who I've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. Yeah, kid, I've seen you've been getting a lot of love. You said you've been only running for a little over a month. CBS guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my God. Is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. And as we're getting ready to close out the episode, hot starting hitters. We've got some big names here. Bryce Harper tearing the cover off the baseball. Did he homer again? Julio Tron pitching? The, the, the obvious answer is yes. Like, I don't know when this is going to post, but the answer is yes. Like, in between recording and posting, the answer is yes. He, hom- he homered again. All right. I mean, he is insane so far this year. So let's just move on to the next because Freddie Freeman's also having a really good year. And with most of the underperforming or injured, Freddie's the number one right now, isn't he? I think I would be hard pressed. And here's the way I answer that question, right? If I own, and I own Freddie Freeman in a couple of leagues, if somebody sends you a trade offer right now for uh, Rizzo, you're declining that offer, right? If right. somebody sends you a trade offer for Votto, you're probably declining that offer. Like, I mean, you're thinking about it. If it's OEP league, I don't know. I think man. I think I, take, I think I would put Votto a- just a slight tick ahead. In an average league? Oh, for sure. Votto has a 300 average almost every year. I know, but I think there's a, a bigger... And more power. I don't know if Votto has more power than Freeman. Does he? I don't know. That Freeman's, Braves Freeman's had, Freeman's had one year above 30 home runs. Yeah, and but then he's only... High, and then his high before that was 28. He, but the new ballpark. Yeah, yeah that if you new look ballpark. at his production, yeah, his like last... We'll have to look this up, but I mean, I think it's close enough. If you drafted Freeman, you obviously believed in him, and based off his start, I think it's be it'd be really hard pressed to click accept on any other first base offer right now, like straight up. Like I, I'm, I'll be honest, I don't even I'm not concerned about Goldschmidt, but if somebody tried to trade me Goldschmidt for Freeman right now, I'm thinking about that really hard, and that says more about Freeman than it does about Goldschmidt, in my opinion. Uh, agreed. Yeah, I feel like I auto accept that. <laughs> <laughs> like I just have my setting set that if someone sends an offer that good, I'm just like, all right, done. Moving on. I do have one question. I know we're kind of pressed for time here, but are you accepting if you own 
Harper, are you accepting any offer they send you right now? I know um, nobody's going to say he's the best player in baseball, but if you own Harper right now, based off his start, are you trading him for anything? I mean, tell me, something, cra- player. Tell me something crazy. For one player, no. Like Trout. If somebody sends you Trout, are you taking it? Probably not. Oh, because, not. The, because the upside, the upside, the upside. Trout is the most stable player, and he has elite upside, right? Harper has upside that is... I would say more than just one small notch, like a big notch above Trout's. So I just, I, if Harper, everything clicks and he has a season like he does, you know, what, what was it? 2015, 2016, something like that, where he had the, we were just talking about 198 OPS for his season. That's insane. You have to pick him. And he's having a season like that now. I think I'm clicking except on Trout and nobody else. Wow. So if somebody, if somebody sent me Trout right now, which, I have, you know, Harper in several leagues. I would click accept on Trout and nobody else. Why don't you trade him to yourself in the league? You have both. I do have both of them. And moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another trade candidate. If you get an offer where you would be receiving future Triple Crown winner Gregory Polanco, Polanco. are you <laughs> clicking accept? I know I am personally. <laughs> <laughs> you can't because you've already owned him in all the leagues you're in. Yeah, that's true. But he's going to join another league just so he can accept an offer for, <laughs> for Gregory Polanco. That's how serious yeah. he is. Yeah, I currently pretty much have all the shares of Gregory Polanco. So, and Todd, would you rather have Starling Marte or Gregory Polanco? I would actually probably Polanco. Really? Yeah, just because you're going to get a little bit more stolen bases with Marte, but I think the averages are going to be pretty close, and Polanco just has more pop. So I'm gonna I would push probably the, go Polanco. I'm going to push the limit here. Polanco or A.J. Pollock? <sighs> That's tough. It's a divided it's like, house. It's like asking his first or second board. I know, I know. <laughs> I, did on, I did it on purpose. One's Both dead sides. and the other lives. Which one you want? Yeah, pick a side. <laughs> I, I would probably still go Polanco at the moment. Whoa! Polanco's younger. Polanco's, and the thing of Polanco, he has his injury prone is a lot of nagging little injuries where Polanco, he could pull his groin tomorrow. And I mean, knock on wood, but he hasn't played over 115 games. I think I think one time he did. So Polan- I, I just it's all starting to click for Polanco. He is younger. It's everything you hoped he could become. So far, he's doing it. So I, I mean, it. it ton of upside. I like what I'm seeing. If he can just stay healthy, I think he can maintain somewhat at the level he's already at right now. All right. So our final name here using ESPN, including at bats, hits. Uh, let's see. I've got eight categories here that I show listed between Votto, Polanco, and Freeman, <laughs> and our mystery player. Our mystery player actually leads all of those guys in more Who categories. Who is Didi Gregorius? Ah, there it is. Uh, these stats may not be actually current. Some of these guys may have played today. Uh, I believe these are the official stats as of yesterday. But Didi Gregorius, Sir Didi Gregorius, is leading in at bats, hits, runs, stolen bases. And he is... Uh, Man, in Yankee Stadium, he is tearing the cover off the ball. Three home runs, uh, two in one game, I believe. He's got 10 RBI, two stolen bases, scored 10 runs so far. He batting cleanup in that lineup? Yeah, he bats behind Judge. (laughs) And and here's the thing that I kind of dug up on him today. So he's got 10 extra base hits in his first 10 games, um, not counting today's games. He's only struck out three times in order to get to those. Um, okay, so interestingly enough, Stanton is on the exact opposite side of this right. statistic. So I, I searched by who has more extra base hits than strikeouts, and <laughs> Gregorius is a plus seven. Nobody else in baseball entering today's games was more than plus four. Wow. I think Stanton specifically wow. was a negative 10? 14, oh. and the only person was more than him was Ian Happ at a negative 16. Jeez. So... Really bad. And really, that means Stanton has struck out more than Hap has because Hap has that one home run and like 17 strikeouts, where I think Stanton has 20 or 21 strikeouts and like three home runs, right? Or three extra base hits or something like that. So he's striking out an unbelievable clip. And meanwhile, 136-pound Didi Gregorius has three strikeouts (laughs) on the year and 46 home runs. 
I, I'm just shocked how well he's hitting. When he was on the Diamondbacks, he was he was a liability offensively, and I I never in a million years saw this coming. So good good for DD. <laughs> this means there's hope for Nick Ahmed. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe not, but. Yeah. What's crazy is, is he's got the, the three home runs, the 10 RBIs. Uh, he's also got two stolen bases and a 375 batting average. And he leads uh, the league in OPS, apparently, which who knew? Well, D.D. Gregorius or Corey Seager? Rest of season? D.D. Gregorius or Corey Seager? D.D. I mean, Bold think, take, D.D. Mm, man, that's crazy, but you probably are right. Seager doesn't steal any bases. and That's why I'm saying you're crazy, but you're probably right. Right. Yeah. He, he'll at max hit, what, 25 home runs? D.D. did that. that last year. Yeah, exactly. And he's getting good pitches because nobody wants to throw to Judge, Stanton, or Sanchez, who hits yeah. behind D.D. So he's going to get good pitches, and he's going to do a lot of damage at Yankee Stadium. What's do you guys remember? When they, when they first traded for Stanton, he tweeted at the manager. I forget who the new manager is. Aaron, uh, Aaron Boone. There yeah. you go. He tweeted at him and asked, uh, Coach, I'm, I'm still the cleanup hitter, right? And <laughs> he is the cleanup hitter still and absolutely dominating, which is just crazy to me with that team. Like he would be so much better served as a number two hitter in my opinion, but it's just nuts where they put him. Do you guys remember what his ADP was before the season? Three hundred and forty-seven. Uh, one twelve. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy that you have a guy in Seager who's in the thirties and forties, and just ten days into the season, you may have DD instead of Seager. You know, if there was a trade, and it's just crazy that you can make that big of a jump just in ten days, but that's something that DD has done. I, I've seen actually some crazy trade offers. So I get I get a lot of messages and, and tweets from from guys and, and trying to, you know, does this trade make sense? Does this trade make sense? And I've seen some crazy ones in just like the first 10 days. I think somebody was offered um, – who was it? I can't remember. But there, they, basically the this moral of the story is you're right, Todd. There, there's absolutely craziness going on right now. I mean you might as well send offers out because things are being accepted left and right. Take advantage of the short sample sizes and stuff. Yep. All righty. Well, that'll wrap up today's episode, guys. Where can the people find you? Uh, check it out at fantasy underscore Keith. Always love hearing from you guys. Tweet questions or, you know, how's my team look? Stuff like that. We'll love giving uh, kind of responses on your teams. I'm Phil and I'm at the Baseball Jedi. Uh, kind of same thing as Keith. Um, tweet at us anytime you need any questions, comments, or concerns about baseball or any random thing you want. Because I can argue on Twitter all day if you want. <laughs> And I'm Todd, and you can find me at Goldie Happens. I have been Jeremy. You can find me at Front Office Jer. Follow the podcast at Fan Front Office. And, of course, visit us at our home on the web, FanFrontOfficePodcast.com. And go enjoy some baseball. It is Otani time this week. See if he struggles, finally. <laughs> Probably. <laughs>